Canadian Forces is trying to recruit a new generation of military personnel. But how do you make the profession of arms attractive to a 20-year-old or a 24-year-old? Decades ago, it wouldn't have been unusual for someone in their 20s to seek out employment with a company or organization and stay with that job until retirement. That's not as common anymore. So how do the Canadian Forces adapt? Last year, the military changed its rules around the wearing of beards, specifically to attract younger recruits. There are now rules that allow the use of recreational marijuana, as well as changes on how military personnel are trained. But will that be enough to improve recruitment? I'm David Puglesi. This is Defence Watch. My guests today are Chief Warrant Officer Alain Guimont and Scott Taylor, publisher of Esprit de Corps magazine. Alain is the morale advisor of the Chief of Defence Staff. So his job is to tell it like it is to Canada's top soldier. And the troops tell it like it is to him. He joined the Canadian Forces in 1983 when he was 18 years old. Scott Taylor is a former soldier and a veteran war correspondent. Welcome to you both. Well, good to be here for having us. So let's talk about how does the Canadian Forces attract the next generation of recruits, the, the, the younger people in the country. Ellen, any thoughts on that? Well, uh, absolutely. As we all know, uh, it's different today in 2019 than it was when I joined in 1983. And for the one of the reasons, well, there's a lot of change in the civilian population. And one of the big thing is uh, I personally think that there's a lot of job out there. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's not everyone. Like when I went to recruiting center 36 years ago, I knew what I wanted to do. Uh, today, it's a little bit different. You know, I have uh, two sons serving also, and I'm not even sure, you know, they, 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 they are there. They want to do a career, but that generation, sometimes they change their mind pretty fast. Mm-hmm. So what do we do to, uh, to attract them? Uh, we, we're doing little things. Uh, and we've just uh, been going through a few of them. Uh, lately, one of them is uh, is uh, the beard forging. Mm-hmm. So uh, never in the Canadian Armed Force we were allowed authorized to have a beard before, mm-hmm. but now we are. So, and that's that's like before some uh, Navy personnel and Special Forces personnel were to, were allowed to use uh, to have beards. Absolutely, but right. previously others weren't. And then, so what you're seeing a lot of younger recruits coming in. I mean, beards are are, are quite common now. Um, so, so absolutely, and uh, and you're right. Uh, what happened there is uh, so this was not decided from one day to another day. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was a lot of thought behind it. There was a lot of uh, discussion. Uh, so my job bring me, like you said at the, during the introduction, mm-hmm. to the troops all the time and uh, to listen to them. And uh, listening to them doesn't mean that we're going to give them everything they want. Right. But listening to them, uh, when it makes sense, maybe we want to have a look at it. Uh, so the beard, well, it was always, always there as a discussion uh, because, uh, because people, you know, they wanted to have a beard some and some others and for uh, rules that were there, uh, we never went that way. Uh, but there was a lot of people, young people that came to recruiting center and turned back and went home hmm. when we tell them that 
they had to shave. Really? Like, so someone comes in with a beard and you say, okay, well, that's the first thing that's going to go. And then that was a deciding factor. Never watch a war movie? (laughs) (laughs) Every one of those boot camps, you're going to get your head shaved. I mean, that's something you knew you were going to face when you went in. I think that's something, surely that's still the same. Absolutely. Yeah. But I guess, so what, Scott, what do you think it is about the a younger generation that, yeah, you're right, you see full metal jacket, and, you know, and people's heads are being shaved and... and Officer and a gentleman? Yeah, I mean, so... <laughs> that was my era. I mean, that was, uh, I mean, I came out of art college. My, my family wasn't in the military, but it, I had read all kinds of history and I wanted to be a soldier and I wanted it to be a challenge and I wanted to join that institution. I wanted to see if I could be... That, that guy, you know what I mean? I wanted to test myself. And if they said to me, well, look, you don't, you don't need to do those chin-ups or you don't need to cut your hair or you don't need to do this, I would have said, then I'm out of here because that's, that's what, what I want to challenge. Right? If you're going to let me do everything, sit in my basement and play video games and grow my hair long, yeah. what am I doing in the Army? So I think it's something which I'm, I'm one, of the, one of those guys that laughed at this because I think that if you are going to join the military, mm-hmm. that hasn't changed. I mean, you want it to be that institution that you looked up to and that you wanted to be. I mean... In my era, it was long hair. I mean, this was the thing when uh, I was stationed in Winnipeg. I mean, everybody knew you were a soldier because everyone else was still looking like Led Zeppelin. They were (laughs) still number one song. And, you know, you went out at night to a a club and people didn't necessarily love the military the way they do now. And you were very conscious of the fact that you did not look like everybody else in the city. But yet you still took pride from that because that was something. Then, of course, hairstyles changed and it became much more more commonplace. But... uh, so, Ellen, is it is it maybe are you uh, kind of catering to a new generation that maybe you shouldn't be catering to? Like, uh, uh, I'm not sure about that. I would not go that far. So, one thing I did, you know, I'm traveling a lot, mm-hmm. and uh, for a couple of weeks, I sat in a plane, mm-hmm. and I started to to look at people coming in the plane with a beer. Mm-hmm. People people from 18 to 25 years old. And when you say there's about 70% of them mm. with a beard, doesn't mean that it's a big beard. It can be, you know. And, and then it uh, it made me think, and we start started to look at it. And also, one thing I'd like to say, though, uh, for sure, I think it's going to be more attraction for them. And also, uh, on the operational side of the thing, there's no change. Mm. Because the way we wrote the Kenforgen, mm. there's always the possibility uh, for the commanding officer or for the task force commander to to go back and to say, okay, for operational reason, everybody shake. So if you needed your gas mask, for instance, on, you're not going to get a seal with your gas mask That's if right. you have a beard, right? A- exactly. If yeah. you don't get the seal, you shave and no problem. Right. That's that's where we... Uh, Scott, what do, you, what do you think that the Canadian forces can do to, uh, uh, I guess, do more besides beards to attract, you know, a younger generation of recruits? Um, I mean, they've, they've had the opportunity with the, the mission in Afghanistan for all those years. I mean, they were front and center. They were newsmaker of the year, I think, in 2006, Armed Forces, so they had all this, you know, emphasis on them, and everybody was putting out yellow ribbons, and everybody was mm-hmm. looking up to them, and that, and that's now that they're not there. Not that we should be at war just to get people to to go in the military, yeah. um, but getting back to the beards, I think what's what's changed with that? Why people want to have the beard is this whole special forces thing. Mm. So this, the SF guys all got to grow a beard, and that was something they just completely, you know, distinguished themselves from the other guys. The line units are all clean shaven. Yeah, everybody wants to be that special forces guy. So that's the thing they were looking up to because guys were allowed to have them and that was sort of the exception. So now they get to have a beard. But if we're not deploying special forces guys and we could go back to being clean shaven, Mm -hmm. um, I don't see that being a huge issue. And the hair issue, 
we mentioned before, when we were in, they told us we had to have the hair cut short because of cleanliness and because you could get insects, you could get all the stuff. Yeah. So you have to have your hair short. And then they allowed women in the combat and they don't have to shave their heads. And you're mm -hmm. kind of like, well, was it really the, the hygiene that this was about? Was it really about the gas mask that this was mm -hmm. about? Because, yeah, if you think there's going to be gas used, you'll shave your beard off right. if you want to stay alive. It's like your choice, but you're not going to go, okay. Right. Anyone who's ever been gassed does not want to be gassed. Right. Shave, shave it quickly. So I guess, you know, so it comes down to, you take a look, for instance, at the Dutch forces, right? I mean, they have long hair. They've, I mean, it's like, a, and a union, union, it's like almost like a, a are, hippie force, they right? They all have beard with no regulation or nothing. Yeah, I mean, is that the way to go or, or is that too far? Personally, yeah. I think it's a little bit too far. Yeah. I, I don't think we are ready to go there. And I don't think it would be a good idea to go there. Yeah. Because one thing that we always look is uh, the population. The Canadian population, they look at soldiers. They look at, at Canadian Armed Force member. Mm -hmm. And uh, when they look at it, when I always say that. Close your, your eyes and think about the image of a soldier. Mm -hmm. And right away, we see it clean, clean and shaven. the appearance right. and all that. Right. So that's why I don't think we are ready to go too far. Um, but... So, again, it's kind of like, how do you get, uh, I guess, uh, young people in? So they're used to having a lot of freedom, right? And you're coming into an organization which is about discipline because it needs to be about discipline. And as you guys mentioned, like the appearance is part of that discipline, right? Uh, or the appearance of discipline. So, again, how do you kind of get to those uh, younger people? First of all, I think, I think right now we are... Uh up generation is the new way of doing business with recruiting, with retention and all that. Up generation? Uh, up that's, generation. That's your new kind the, of... The new up operation. Mm -hmm. uh, it's not out there yet. It's coming. We're working on it very, very... It, should, it will be out in 2019. So that's your plan to attract uh, To attract people. and recruit. Okay. And right now, uh, we already put some things in place, you know. Uh, same, same with attracting women. We we it's it's all about communication. We're talking about it all, all the time. Uh, I know that uh, CFRG, which is the headquarter for uh, for all the recruiting, mm -hmm. uh, they are working very very hard on the you know putting some video. What's the best mean to mm -hmm. get them? Mm -hmm. So this is basically where we are now. We know we have to do special things. We knew we know that we have to change the way we do business on that matter, mm -hmm. and and I think we have a fantastic team and board in working on this yeah. right now. I mean, one of the things that I get the sense of the uh, of a younger generation, and and I got to point out, there's three old guys around the table here talking about this. Uh, people want to experience different things and travel. And, uh, you know, in some respects, if you think of the Canadian forces, you are going to experience different things and you are going to travel. But I don't, I don't think they're fooling anybody anymore. Like, it's not like the old days where you're going to go see the world and you don't realize you're going to be standing in a trench while you see it. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> people do look into it a little bit more. I mean, the yeah. idea of going to sea and living in a metal boat. But, uh, yeah. I mean, we talked also about the, the attracting them. They sort of um, lowered some of the, the, the bar, I mean, in terms of fitness. That was they took that out so people can go into a recruiting center. And it doesn't matter what shape you're in; you can just go and they'll put you on what they call a fat farm for you know, the first ninety days until you're in shape enough. Mm -hmm. But I mean, that's my personal opinion that they went the wrong route. If they actually increased, because everybody's fitness crazy now, everybody's going to good life, everybody's going out there, yeah. and, and if they pushed it and said, "Look, 
you're going to get in the best shape of your life. That's what we prided ourselves on, the fact that we weren't we weren't weak civvies. We were soldiers. Yeah. And, and by the time you got through 031 infantry training, I mean, you would weeded out those guys that couldn't do the chin-ups and everything else. You had to get to a certain level, and you felt you were taking on the world. And that's something which if you lower it and then you let everybody in and you're all inclusive and you work with the guy and you say, okay, we're going to, you know, in 90 days you're showing progress and we'll start you on a course. And mm-hmm. all the other guys are going, look, if anybody can get through this, then it doesn't mean that much. Yeah, I wonder if that's, you know, because when you're in the States, you take a look at the billboards. The U.S. Marines kind of have that focus, right? So they are uh, an elite force and that's how they advertise themselves, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, is perhaps maybe that the way to go instead of saying, you know, we welcome all, uh, we're diverse and such. Keep your you know, beard. You know, it's <laughs> Keep your like, nose ring. You know what? You are different because you are fit. You are disciplined. I mean, Alan, do you think? Uh, so, so one of the uh, very, very good point, uh, Scott. Uh, absolutely. Uh, so one of the thing that I would like to add on this is uh, up generation. I talk about it. One, the main thing of that is we were losing a lot of people because it was taking a lot of time to hit the recruit school. Yeah. It was like months. Now we, uh, we're looking at doing it in 60 days. We're not going to break a medical. We're not going to break. We're just going to still do that. Mm-hmm. But the, I just want to come back to the fitness there. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, before that, if you were not, you know, raging, you were gone mm-hmm. until you were able. And also we have to look, it's 2019. So 2019, everybody's different. I used to be very dinosaur. Now I kind of a couple of years ago started to open my mind mm-hmm. and to look at that uh, because I think we have to do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, if if we don't do it, if we don't train them and bring them to us, they're not going to come. Mm-hmm. How much, um, you know, the one aspect that has always been an issue with the Canadian forces is is uh, when you deploy, you're leaving your family. I mean, you know, these are the types of stresses that uh, uh, family members have. I mean, is that an issue uh, in bringing people in the door? I don't think it's an issue. It's a very good point. So this is not a... A point that we hear a lot because people being people, they don't, some of the time they don't want to talk about that. Uh, but one thing I can add though is that we are doing a lot of new things right now, good things about the families also. Mm, yeah, right. Uh, and, and so the families now is part of our retention mm-hmm. because we had to. Uh, and, uh, you know, a family 30 years ago and a family in 2019 mm-hmm. is completely different. Yeah. So uh, there's a thing called uh, the journey that will be the future for the Canadian Armed Force. And the families are incorporated in all our discussion and the way forward for our soldiers. Mm-hmm. So, and, and we communicate this a lot. So. Right. I wonder, though, you know, like a, a, a younger people, it appears that they want a lot of variety, a lot of change. I mean, can the military ultimately accommodate that? Because, I mean, the military has a job. Um, it's a it's an arm of the state, and it follows the orders from, from the government. Um, so where is the cutoff point for accommodation? Well, it's also a tough job. I mean, this is something you don't want. 57-year-old recruits, which I was going to mention that the, you can still join up until yes. the age of 57. So there isn't necessarily just young people joining. People are joining if they already have a family, right. uh, especially if they can see what the benefits packages are, et cetera, et cetera. But you still need to be able to do that job, which is kill or be killed I mean, at the end of the day. So you want that team, you would think the other members of the team want that team to be like any kind of sports team to be the best it can be. You don't want to recruit 
57-year-old hockey players. Yeah. So it's one of those things. So there's no hope for me. <laughs> You're too old to join the Army. You never know. <laughs> you never I just know. crossed over just this last year. I was, I was still able to join up until December, so I was kept thinking about that. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, when you were 21, we had a guy on the commando course who was 40, and he got through it, and we, like, toasted him because he got through the commando course. But now I look back at 40 and think, well, that wasn't such a big deal. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. At yeah. 57 might be a problem, but, I mean, it's... Uh, that's interesting. I mean, the, just the different perspectives people have in that. I mean, one of the issues, so last year the Canadian Forces did, a, well, they do polling each year. And so uh, the poll numbers that came back last year actually weren't uh, that good in the sense that uh, the vast majority of Canadians are unaware of what the Canadian Forces does. Like, so during Afghanistan, there was that awareness, obviously, because uh, there's a lot of media coverage of the war. But now that's you know completely dropped off. How, Alan? How many? You know, how do you change that? Well, so in Afghanistan, we were doing the war. Mm -hmm. We were losing people, and it's sad to say that when this is together, mm -hmm. then we are on TV. We're everywhere. People talk about us. But right now, I was in a meeting again, the CDS Ops Brief this morning. Mm -hmm. And uh, again, we, we have uh, 2,500 people deployed mm -hmm. every day in Canada. But they're not deployed at war. So we we have uh, you know the the mission in Mali, uh, the mission in Ukraine, even the mission in in Iraq, the big one in in Latvia, the biggest one, and uh, but we're not losing people. Mm -hmm. So so that's why. Uh, and as we all know, communication is not that easy, right? Mm -hmm. uh, so so I think my that's my perspective. That's that's what I think. I mean, Scott, how do you think the Canadian Forces, I guess, improves or, or, or puts its name out there? It's, it's, it's a brand like, it's like McDonald's or, or whatever corporation. So, you know, if you want to attract somebody, you've got to be out there. They're competing hard. I mean, against an awful lot of I mean, corporations and people, you have to really want to be a soldier. At the moment, if you look at the, the recruits or who's going into it, it's like 40% have either one or both parents in the forces. Right. You've got married couples in the forces. It's uh, 12,000 married to 6,000 military couples. So one in five is married to a fellow soldier, and then 40% of the kids going in are, have parents in the forces. So it's something whereby, I mean, if you, if you look at even the senior officers, their kids are in, and everybody, it's, it's sort of, I mean, I used to refer to it as a tribe. Mm. And that was what, even again, when they took the casualties in Afghanistan, it wasn't impacting Canada as, as a whole. It was right. impacting the tribe because everybody knew somebody or was divorced from somebody or was their kid or something. Like, they all knew them. I mean, mm -hmm. it's not that big a group. So uh, it took its toll, man. So it's something which it's not about getting those ones from, from the group into it. That's always going to be there. The core of the military is always going to be the same, but they got to get out to a, a much wider audience and bring people in. Yeah. And I don't know if it's always necessarily a career. I mean, I joined up wanting it to be a three-year basic engagement and then go back. I mean, I've stayed in association with it, but I mean, I, I uh, didn't intend it to be a full-on career, so... But yeah, I mean, you make a, a good point. I mean, it's it, there is a divide between civilians and military because I mean, there is that saying uh, in the U.S. Right, the U.S. military is at war; the U.S. public is at the mall. Ellen, is it is it 
main issue then, that divide between civilians and, you know, the military, which seems to be uh, insular? Because I hear a lot about kids of uh, military uh, members going into the military. Well, I'm one of them. Yeah. I have two. Yeah, 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 <laughs> I have yeah. two serving right now. Yeah. Uh, one as a MP, maybe to check me, to make sure. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, the other one, my trade, uh, combat engineer. So uh, I agree. This is a big... Uh, a big fashion right now and uh, we are proud of that because you know something for sure that uh, you know they already have the experience they already have the, the they family. know what the military life they know is what like, it is right? they, they know, know the expect. life they know what the to deployments expect. The that's the word I was looking for <laughs> and uh, you know they've been they've been through deployment even if they were not deployed they know what's what's going on mm-hmm. so so that for us this is quality, right? Mm-hmm. So, so we're never gonna stop that. But you're right. Uh, a lot of uh, I, I don't know exactly the percentage, but uh, every recruit course in uh, Saint Jean right now, for sure, there's some uh, children of mm-hmm. military people, you know. But uh, that that separation with uh, the civilian population. Is it really there? Because uh, sometimes I get to travel in uniform, mm-hmm. and I still getting somebody coming to me shaking my hand. Yeah, uh, I, I still being uh, you know somebody buying me a coffee. Mm-hmm. Uh, they think you're valet parking. Well, you know what? No, I remember. No, no, no. Ta- I always remember talking to a naval officer, and um, he said one time someone came up and 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 suggested he was like a security guard, right? I it mean, never it's... happened to me. <laughs> no. And uh, yeah, people thank me uh, for uh, the service, and uh, so so for sure, we it would be much better to have you know everybody together in the same. Uh, but there is there is a separation, and I think that separation, most of it, is communication. I mean, you, you recently brought in some uh, new rules on on use of marijuana. Is that is that a aspect in, well, in this? Well, or? actually, uh, so Canada brought that new rule, You're right. and uh, at one point, a lot of people were saying that, uh, okay, is the Canadian Armed Force gonna go with it? Or uh, so at the end of the day, we are Canadian citizens. So I'm not saying that I'm gonna go and smoke. But tomorrow morning. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you said <laughs> that right now, that would be interesting. No, no, I'm not there yet. Uh, but so, but we uh, we are the population. Yeah. Uh, at the end of the day, we have a mission to do. We have a job to do, and that job comes with uh, special duty, special operation, and we all know that. At the end of the day, we need to be operational. And also, we did not, uh, you know, with the chief of defense staff, uh, myself, the senior leadership of the Canadian Armed Force, I think we met three times before we decided to start writing mm-hmm. that new policy. Mm-hmm. Because uh, at the beginning, and I remember I was part of the first meeting, there was about 10 of us, you know, the city is sitting there, mm-hmm. me here, and and we were all like that arms cross mm. and no everybody was saying no way yeah, no way yeah. because you look at the age around the table yeah it was all of us you yeah. know not you old guys old guys <laughs> yeah yeah and uh, so i think it's at the third meeting that we decided to start working the policy yeah and i think the way we did work that policy it's outstanding yeah we we cover everything so it's more reflective of okay. So we do have a, a young population, or, or some uh, young people in, in the Canadian forces. We're bringing in young people. I mean, marijuana is uh, uh, is used by a recreational uh, aspect for some people, um, and so it's what more just 
uh, recognizing that then. Absolutely. Yeah. Yes. But I think, I mean, having seen the military culture change over the last 35 years, I mean, it, it was, even in, in my day, I mean, it was a heavy, heavy drinking culture. Right. It was almost encouraged. It, it was frowned upon if on a Friday night I left and went home to see my wife instead of going to the mess first for a few. Uh, it was pressure. Like, obviously, you don't want a career in this man's army. And you're like, yeah, I just want to see my wife. Right. But, right. Now the messes are empty. These guys are going home. They're going to the gym. It's it's a different mm. different lifestyle. It's a different sort of health aspect. Mm-hmm. And for a lot of the guys, I mean, guys were obviously smoking weed, and, and it was guys you'd find out back in the day yeah. whenever you went on exercise because it was stored in their fat cells, and they would get stupid. And people put pressure on them. They didn't report them, but there was pressure from their own peers not to do that because right. once you go in and you deploy operationally, you're counting on every single team member. Right. So if they have you know incapacitated themselves. And that was part of it with the booze. It didn't matter if you tied one on. You had to run that 10 miles the next day. And if you threw up, you threw up, but you got through it. Mm-hmm. And you learned that lesson. But it was very much heavily pushed, almost from an official angle, that you would drink and would be part of it. Mm-hmm. It was like smokers held in the field after you finished an exercise to let steam off before you'd come back into civilization. So oh, oh, you mean a drinking? They called a smoker, but yeah. those guys would drink and then... Yeah. Punch-ups would ensue, and then it was all. Then the, the steam went out of it, and then you came back. So, in. Alan, are you gonna have tokers after each? Uh... <laughs> well, I'm not there, I, so I cannot say no because you know what? You never. Know. But after retired, you mean uh, in uniform? <laughs> no, I mean I just uh, let off steam <laughs> after an exercise. Smokers, yeah, yeah, and and it's true. So when I joined Friday afternoon, you never see the leadership. Where were they? At the mess, drinking hard. Hard, drinking, hard drinking. Yeah, and and the youngest, you know, soldiers, corporal, we used to clean and do what they mm-hmm. had to do. Mm-hmm. But uh, that, that's just to 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 bring back, you know, what Scott was saying. A lot of culture change. Yeah. So to go back to that uh, to that uh, cannabis policy, there we we're not very scared. We already have a policy for alcohol. We all know that sometimes we have you know cases. Mm-hmm. We deal with it. Yeah. What about the aspect of, I mean, and this has come up occasionally, you know, and, and you mentioned the Dutch, uh, Scott, I think you mentioned the Dutch have a union, right? A union for soldiers. You think that would ever, uh, <laughs> you're laughing now. Uh, <laughs> no, it's me laughing. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know. Uh, I don't think we are there right now. Yeah. Can we say no, never? I don't think so. Because 10 years ago, I, I was probably the guy saying, well, we will never have, have beer authorized. Yeah. We will okay. never have you, marijuana. You know, <laughs> yeah, God marijuana. Yeah. So, so that's why, uh, you know, but I don't see uh, this in the near future, though. Okay. I mean, they always had the, the Padres. You could always go to the Padre. That was always sort of a derogatory phrase. I mean, if somebody had some issue, it was like, we'll take it up with the Padre. Like, it was just because mm-hmm. you'd have to be a really weak guy to actually go to the Padre and go get him to do your bidding for you. So yeah. I think it would be the same with a union. To go to the union rep would be something which... You'd be seen as a, a complainer or a malinger or whatever else. I mean, by by your own peers, not necessarily by your superiors. So we've been talking about how the Canadian Armed Forces uh, attracts a new generation of recruits and retains them. My guests have been Chief Warrant Officer Alain Guimont and Scott Taylor, publisher of Esprit de Corps. Thank you very much for being here. A pleasure. Thank and you very much. My name is Dave Puglesi. This is Defense Watch. You've been listening to Defense Watch. I'm Dave Puglesi. If you'd like to share your comments or suggestions for future podcasts, email me at dpuglise 
at postmedia.com. If you'd like to see the digital version of Defense Watch, go to the Ottawa Citizens website. Defense Watch has been produced by Post Media. Sound editing by Mina Gamry. Our senior editor is Drake Fenton. Our editor-in-chief is Michelle Richardson. Special thanks to Keith Bennell. Thanks for listening.